Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Welcome back to Trades Work, where we highlight the issues important to the skilled trades our society depends on and always seeks to put Colorado first. Joining us today is Brad Buchanan, CEO of the National Western Center Authority. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So I know our paths have crossed in the past uh, when you work with city and county in Denver and you're in construction or have a construction background. So uh, we've kind of run in the same space for a while. But just tell me, how did you become the CEO of the National Western Authority? And tell us a little bit more about your professional history. I went to school. I'm, I'm an architect. So I went to architecture school and I uh, worked for a number of firms. And at a pretty early age, 26 years old, I decided I knew everything I needed to know to run my own company. And I started my own company and uh, took a long time, but it grew over the years. We we ended up um, adding construction to our company and became a design build firm and then actually did some development as, as well for our own account. And uh, But I was always really involved with community. I was um, on the Denver Landmark Commission for seven years and chaired it for most of that. And then I was on the Denver Planning Board. I chaired the planning board for almost nine years. Very involved with the Downtown Denver Partnership and just always was sort of a community-led, mission-driven person in, in my private sector work. And at some point along the path, I was asked to be the planning director for the city of Denver. So I was the executive director of community planning and development and oversaw the planning group, both short-term and long-term planning, but also the building department, plan check, plan review, building permit, building inspection, zoning, landmarks in that group. Uh, almost five years from the beginning of 2014 to towards the end of 2018, I told the mayor I wasn't going to stick around for a third term. Uh, almost five years of that was, a, a, was good for me. It's a hard job and an important job, but it was a hard job. And they were, uh, I had worked on the National Western Center master plan mm -hmm. while I was planning director. And I also had bought a piece of property out in Strasburg that had been a hundred year old cattle ranch. And we ended up putting cows there. And I call myself an accidental rancher. So I was living this very sort of double life. I was the planning director for one of the country's fastest growing cities. And then I was driving home to a cattle ranch. So I was getting this very much this urban experience experience in this rural experience. Uh, the mayor said, I may have the perfect opportunity for you. Would you consider looking at the National Western Center? Because the National Western Center Authority had just been formed in mid-2018. And they asked me to be the CEO here. And I've been here uh, since then. It feels like I've spent my entire career waiting and training to do this job. Well, it's a fascinating campus, one that's very storied, uh, has a long history. I grew up coming to the stock show as a kid every year, uh, and it's a crown jewel for us. There's so much going on on this campus. Talk to us a little bit about the different, because there's now CSU has a spot out here. You have the stock show and its authority. You have your group. There's a lot of different interplay and a lot of different partners. Help educate our listeners a little bit on all of the goings on out here. Sure, and that's a that's a great question. There's there's a lot of things out here that start with the words National Western, so it can be really confusing. But the the, the namesake is the National Western Stock Show. They've been here for 117 years. Everybody knows and loves the Stock Show, 
in the early 2000s, the stock show was once again being faced with the, the sort of business um, challenges that they have faced for a long time, which is 16 days of revenue and 365 days of expenses. The stock show is a beloved institution and city leaders back in those days, uh, and I was part of that conversation. I was chairing the Denver Planning Board at that time. You know, everyone said, "Stock, we can't let the stock show leave Denver," and it really was a was I think had a, a lot of foresight in terms of keeping that of working through the challenges of ha- of mashing up urban and rural, which really, when you think about it today, is at the forefront of our lo- a lot of our local issues, but certainly our our national uh, political landscape, sort of the us and them between urban and rural places and communities. They have so much to share with each other and learn from each other. But um, the uh, stock show and the city and county of Denver and then Colorado State University, who had actually been partnering with the stock show for 117 years also, really got together and and along with a bunch of city leaders and community members and lots of other thought partners and said, what can we add to this so that it's a forever home for the stock show? And what else can it do and address? And long story short, because it was years of lots of big thoughts and big conversations, created this concept of the National Western Center, which is a year-round destination around food and agriculture and ed- education and entertainment. Uh, it's about the future of food, really. Mm-hmm. But it's also basing that future of food and those future thinking conversations in the context of the legacy that exists here around agriculture. This is the where the National Western Center is placed in the uh, in the in the historic stockyards, right? And when and the stockyards attracted a really robust immigrant population uh, early 1900s because there were good paying jobs here. And so now the National Western Center is nested in the Glovillaria Swansea communities, which have been really struggling uh, communities, underserved communities for generations. And so it's uh, um, in order to do that, there were a number of sort of governances and structures set up. There are three founding partners of the National Western Center, City and County of Denver, CSU, Colorado State University, and the Western Stock Show Association. They all brought their resources. Stock Show bought land. Stock Show bought cash. Colorado State University brought state funding and their programming. They wanted to have a, a Denver presence. And the City and County of Denver owned much of this land, but then aggregated even more. And now the campus is 240 acres in total, um, more than doubled in size from what the stock show originally had. And then from that group, they created sort of the Bible agreement, which is called the Framework Agreement. That was uh, executed in 2017. And uh, we got funding in 2015 through uh, the 2C bond vote, $765 million, mm-hmm. to pursue the completion of phases one and two, which are basically, for anybody with a map or has been to the stock show, where the yards have always been, the area between the railroad tracks and the river. Uh, it's about 170 acres total. And um, that framework agreement then formed the National Western Center Authority. 
So the National Western Center Authority, we are charged, we have a 100-year master lease with the city and county of Denver to program, operate, and maintain all of these city-owned facilities. CSU runs and operates their own. Stock Show will run and operate their, their own headquarters. And Stock Show then has the entire campus the month of January. The other 11 months of the year, that's where the authority operates, uh, you know, throws events and concerts and corporate events and mm. trade shows and expos and all sorts of things. It's it's evolving right now. Uh, only one of our event venues is up and running. It's the Stockyard Event Center, and it's the smallest facility mm-hmm. on the campus, 40,000 square feet. We're currently under construction on the Livestock Center. Um, you know, if you think of the uh, Stockyards Event Center, it's about one football field, and the but the Livestock Center is eight football fields. It has a 5,000-seat arena in it. It's got 185,000 square feet of expo hall space. Those will be the cow barns in January. So when you see cows now, they're over under the expo hall on the east side of the tracks. They'll be in our new facility when it opens in 2025, ready for Stock Show 2026. And then we'll build uh, the Livestock Center as well. Uh, livestock Center, I just throw this out for the for the folks listening in, term, in the trades, a pretty large project. It's about a 400,000-square-foot facility. We're also building a 200-plus-key hotel and a significant parking structure, 600 to 1,000 spaces. We're not sure exactly the size yet. But the authority, we're procuring that particular opportunity. We won't be hiring the trades, but we'll be procuring the groups, the GCs, the architects, the designers, the developers that will run that those that those teams mm-hmm. and then they'll hire those trades obviously when they're contracting out the projects um, so there's a lot happening here we've done uh, renovated about a mile of riverfront we've relocated a rail line uh, we've built a district energy system that I'll talk about in just a second I want to talk about one other entity that also has the words National Western in it the, the mayor's office of the National Western Center affectionately referred to as NUCO not quite sure how we got that but that's what everybody calls it NUCO is a city agency uh, uh, underneath Public Works, underneath DOTI, Department of Transportation and Infrastructure. And they have been, they have contracted all the other vertical facilities here other than CSUs and the stock shows. So they're building a livestock center. They did all the heavy horizontal work, all the roads, streets, and bridges, and all that, that work that's been done. And, um, uh, and I do want to touch on another project that we led that uh, just completed last year, and that's our sewer heat recovery system. We had two 72-inch sanitary sewer lines that ran along the river's edge. Uh, literally all the effluent from all of downtown, from Capitol Hill to Sun Valley, um, um, Country Club, all of that sort of tributary area all flows north towards the Metro Water Recovery's water treatment plant. Hmm. And we wanted to bury those lines because we wanted to get access to the river. And they were about 100 feet off the river's edge. It would take two of us to hoist one over the other and climb to the other side to get to the water. Metro Water Recovery said you can't bury those lines. We're bleeding waste heat because not only are you do you clean that effluent, you have to cool it before it can go back into the South Platte River. And the reason you have to cool it is that yes, there's some waste in there. It's actually the very small percentage of what's flowing through there. What's mostly in there is hot water. It's shower water and sink water and dishwashers, washers and clothes washers. It's hot water. And some really smart engineers at the city and Colorado State University said, wait, there's thermal energy in there that you'd like to get rid of. Fast forward five years later, uh, last year we flipped the valve and opened up our district energy system. We are 
heating and cooling over a million square feet of new vertical construction uh, with the waste thermal energy from two six-foot diameter sanitary sewer lines. It's the largest system of its kind in North America by multiples, almost carbon-free system that's capturing that, that what otherwise would be completely wasted thermal energy to heat and cool these facilities. And, and you talk about the, the artistry of the trades. I have great respect for the trades as a former general contractor and, and what, uh, what those experts bring and the kind of creativity that they can bring. We've had led many, many tours through our central utility plant where this, the main heartbeat and brain of the, of our district energy system. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. Mechanical did just uh, un- those pipe fitters, uh, unbelievable. Absolutely, it's sculpture. It is art what they did there, and the system's working really well. And uh, so proud of the work and the pride that they brought to to that work. Just absolutely remarkable and undeniable when you walk into the facility to see the the incredible engineering and incredible pipe fitting and craftsmanship that they put together. And so uh, I, I, it, while it's an innovative, super innovative system, we actually won one of the engineering news record uh, projects of the year uh, last mm. year for, for that system, which is a big deal to those who are in the engineering and design community and certainly an honor to us. But it really spoke to the creativity that all the trades brought to a system that had never been done before and certainly not at this scale. Very sophisticated system, simple thermodynamics, simple physics. We're just using simple heat exchangers to pull hot and cold from effluent into a clean water ambient loop line that runs to all the different uh, venues and buildings on the campus, including CSUs and the stock show's headquarters. That's part of that over a million square feet that I talked about. Um, simple system, but really sophisticated control systems and operation system. It's actually operated from an operation center in Houston mm-hmm. uh, with computers. They are, they, it's all online. I'm sure somebody's got it on their phone as well somewhere. But uh, that's the kind of innovation we've been bringing to the campus at, at every level. We have a community solar garden here on the campus that you know, solar panels on all the buildings that then put solar power back into the grid that then can be sold to this underserved community at reduced prices. So we're, we're constantly looking for that kind of innovation, same kind of innovation we're looking for in the, the responses from the teams that will be competing for the new equestrian center, hotel, and parking structure project. So that's a, a new project. I'd also like to let your listeners know that we've got a, a very substantial parking structure, probably another 300 to 400 parking spaces on a site that is uh, on the campus here on the campus just south of the historic livestock exchange building that we're sitting in right now that'll be a large parking structure but it's it has 12 story zoning on it we're going out to the private private sector to see what ideas they have for that we're working with community 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 is our fourth partner here they're helping us to inform the kind of needs they would like to see have us address both on the ground floor and then possibly on top of the par- parking structure so we've got some substantial procurements going to hit the street here in the next two to four months that the industry Great. should be paying attention to. And we will. Uh, our trades folks love working out here. Most of them come to your center uh, in January and get to participate in uh, the stock show. So let's talk about that particular event. It draws you know 700,000 people from all across the country. What does it take to put on an event like that? So let me first make sure we're clear. 
what we do and what we don't do. So the stock show, the Western Stock Show Association, they are they are a standalone organization, right? They've been around for 117 years. They put on the stock show. We our our campus hosts right. them you and and them, and uh, but so we are very close to it. And we get to we get to watch it very very closely. This is a very active place for those 16 days, and actually for the 45 or 60 days before it and the 30 to 45 days afterwards, the mobilization uh, and then demob that happens on this campus is absolutely remarkable. 1,500 cattle pens that get set up in the stockyards, you know, with all the bedding and everything and then all these cattle that come in and out of there, you know, for the two weeks of the stock show, three week, three weekends long, and then uh, cleaning that up and moving it out so that then we can have a an EDM show on that, uh, you know, or a festival concert somewhere out on the same place where where cattle and you know a foot of shavings were just months before uh, and then the buildings as well they occupy all the buildings and then they they demob out of the buildings and then we took take over again it is everything you would imagine it's it's disney world for you know agriculture for 16 days and um 700,000 people some of the you know i think this year they set some records on some yeah. individual days here in 2023 it was a super successful show um just you know food beverage the uh, numbers of gallons or kegs of coors light is you know staggering 20, I think 28 rodeos that are put on, uh, all sorts of equestrian events and dog events and stock dogs and um, uh, show cattle. It's the largest stock show, I think, in the world. It, I know for sure in the United States is the largest largest stock show in the States. Um, so, and a beloved institution and a, and a must-see event for so many Denverites, Coloradans and and folks who travel from all over the country. I believe they had 48 of the 50 states represented uh, for participants in the stock show this year. Right. So there's what we know about the stock show. What do our listeners not know? What's something that would surprise them that either takes place on this campus or they don't realize outside of uh, the the poop loop, as it's called, that you walked us through? Um, what, What don't they know? So, I mean, I think the stock show event specifically, and maybe I'll answer that about stock show, and then maybe I'll answer that question, too, about the other 11 months of the year. Stock show has a huge education priority behind it. And everybody thinks about the stock show and cows and seeing the the sheep and pigs and, and rodeo. But the Western Stock Show Association is very committed to education. Mm-hmm. They raise a lot of money for a scholarship fund that they award every year. They have a huge education effort around the future of food and agriculture and farmers and ranchers. That is really not upfront, but is a deep, deep priority and value for their organization. Um, so I'd say that that's probably one of the things about Stock Show itself. In terms of the campus outside of January, uh, boy, I would invite everybody to come out and see the kinds of new events that folks don't know about yet. I mean, we have a our biggest branding challenge is that we're, we're the National Western Center. And so everybody thinks we are the National Western Stock Show. We are the National Western Stock Show and so much more. Colorado State University's three spur buildings, their spur campus, Hydro, Vita, and Terra. Hydro is around water resources. Vita is animal and human health. Terra is food and agriculture. Uh, 
incredible, mind-blowingly cool programming and education going on um, that uh, here on the campus and open to the public Monday through Friday and every second Saturday. I'd urge, urge folks to come out, bring your kids. It is, it is so interesting and exciting. And for folks who just come to the stock show and go to the expo hall and then they buy a turkey leg as big as your head and then they get a Coors Light and go to the rodeo, they may not come across the tracks to the yard side to see all of the new National Western Center, mm-hmm. but I really urge folks to to learn about it. They can go to nationalwesterncenter.com. There's a ton of information about the bigger picture National Western Center and what we're up to here. And we're, we're not done yet. Uh, we're a long ways into it. Uh, there's been a ton of work here that's been done over the last four or five years. Some of the venues are up and running. The largest of them are still under construction, so stay tuned uh, for new openings that will be happening really over the next decade as we work through the projects that I just mentioned, plus then future phases three through eight on the triangle side or on the hill where everybody does come. Once we get these facilities done, then Stock Show will move to the to this side of the campus and then we'll start working we'll demolish some of the buildings on the east side of the campus and add another 10,000 seat arena a 150,000 square foot expo hall do an adaptive reuse um, renovation to the historic 1909 stadium arena which will be a Mm year-round public food market Plus, there's another 40 acres of co-development that'll happen there. I suspect housing and mixed use and hospitality and commercial and office and all sorts of things. So this campus is going to be a, a job maker and a job creator for a long time to come. That's great. I'm very interested to see what's going to take place and what this is going to look like over the next decade. And uh, as you've said, stay tuned. You've talked about the 11 months that it isn't stock show season and some of the events. You've talked about to our listeners where they can find that information outside of the stock show, which is clearly the premier or jewel event on this campus. What's your second favorite? I think the second favorite uh, we don't have yet. And that's what I'm excited about. I mean, you know, what I love to see is uh, Farm Aid to come here to this campus. We could host Farm Aid here. The the stockyards are big enough to host Farm Aid. I'd like us to have an event like we are working title is something called West by Midwest, which is Mm -hmm. obviously a South by Southwest ripoff. That won't be the name, but a mashup of events and education and art and comedy and theater and performance art and music and poetry and all sorts of art and creative arts and creative sciences that can be a mashup really that is at the heart and the pulse of the National Western Center is about uh, mashing up otherwise seemingly incongruent and maybe not intuitively connected things that, in fact, are absolutely reliant on each other um, and only succeed when the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Well, that's interesting because, you know, agriculture as a whole is about 2% of our employment figures. Uh, we know that agriculture, there's so much more to it. And especially once you weave in the animal elements that CSU is really known for in its um, treatment and recovery and its science, its scientific research related to animals, especially horses, 
uh, it's going to be a, just a fascinating evolution for this campus and this neighborhood. Uh, and we're grateful to have you at the helm. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, as an industry, agriculture is probably in the same boat as construction. You know, we are developed an A or an E, all the above approach on recruitment. And there's a shortage in our industry of available workers. And, you know, the population that we're competing for is the is finite, right? And so everybody's competing for that. Talk to us a little bit about the agricultural community and kind of its take on recruitment and how it's starting to engage either by way of this campus or in the future at this campus to make sure people understand what's possible from an income and a job growth perspective. I think that's a really great uh, comparison. I think that the challenges that the construction industries face and, and trades face is is very similar to agriculture. And I think the answers are, are a lot alike also. If you look at some, maybe some historic approaches that maybe haven't evolved uh, with that aren't as science-based or aren't sustainability-based around agriculture, you don't see a lot of continuing multi-generational farms and ranches. That's mm-hmm. very, very challenging. I, I will tell you a moment of personal privilege. My 24-year-old, 24-year-old son, Will, became a partner in our family ranch last August. And he did that because we are doing this in a very different way. We, yes, we raise cattle, but we developed an online platform and we sell direct to consumers. And mm-hmm. so being able to cut out the middlemen, it makes it work and it makes it um, financially sustainable and profitable. Yeah. And he, it, it attracted him to commit to that. And he went to Kansas State and got a degree in, in ag business and he's back running the operation. It doesn't happen very, very right. often. I, I'm very proud of that. And I think that's true for the construction trades as well. Thinking differently about what the opportunities are, particularly when you look at the sort of creativity um, and expertise and value that trades can bring on sophisticated projects like uh, most every phase of the National Western mm-hmm. Center. Um, it, it doesn't have to be just about, you know, installing toilets. Yes, we're going to install toilets, but holy cow, we're we're building sewer heat recovery systems out of here. This is there's NASA level science involved in in these things, and mm-hmm. you've got tradespeople that are working side by side with those scientists and making you know really solid salaries um, and and benefits to for that as well. I think that is true for agriculture as well. I think that agriculture has become a really broad spectrum kind of. Uh, job um, landscape. Yes, you can be cowboys and we have cowboys at the ranch and you can be that, but we also have a retail store manager and we also have a a digital person that works on e-commerce and e-marketing stuff. And we have folks that deal with all the consumer issues and and direct facing consumer and, and buyer relationships. Those aren't things, those are all people who carry a card and say, I work at Flying Bee Bar Ranch, but they're not doing what is thought of as a traditional 
you know, cowboy, cowgirl kind of job. They're doing very different things. And uh, I see that opportunity everywhere uh, in the construction industry, in the trades industry, and I see it in agriculture. Also share with you that I think that the construction trades and the agriculture have a, another similar challenge, and that is around mental health. The uh, agriculture industry has a very high suicide rate because they're under so much stress. And think about the pressure of losing the family ranch that you've had for generations. Unbearable. Same thing. Think about if you're a third-generation pipe fitter and grandpa started the company and, and, and you're struggling because you're doing business the same old way and it may not be working as well yeah. anymore. Uh, I think there's opportunities to that can surface for folks to succeed in ways that maybe haven't been considered before. Great answer. So we're going to switch topics and talk about you a little bit. So you told us earlier that you're an accidental rancher. Uh, so when Brad Buchanan was a small boy, what did you envision you'd be doing for a career? I, I suspect it's not here or being a rancher. No, I I knew I was going to be an architect from about the time I was nine years old. I First time I ever grabbed a drafting pencil and a triangle, it was like I, I was at home and, mm. you know, just chewed up those mechanical drafting classes. I'm 62 years old, so we weren't drawing on computers when I was in high school. Um, but uh, I... I just love to draw and I loved my brain. I see three-dimensional objects on two-dimensional surfaces. And I love that idea of taking a three-dimensional thought and putting it on a two-dimensional surface. And then as the years went along, I'm like I said, I'm community-driven. Um, that led me to planning, which led me to um, the to construction, which led me to development, and then accidentally became a rancher when mm -hmm. we bought a former cattle ranch really as a sort of let's go east instead of west. We had already done the mountain thing. I had already, you know, skied 60 days a year and was looking for something a little more pastoral. And and uh, and it became very quickly clear that the place needed cows. And so we originally bought them, honestly, just as lawnmowers just to mm -hmm. keep the – like, oh, my gosh, look at all that grass. And we fell in love with it. And while I never, ever would have predicted that I would be the CEO of this organization or a or own cattle or know how to brand or pull a calf or build fence or whatever it is, uh, it feels I have an ancient connection to that. And the second I got on that ranch, I actually believe that's true for most people. Mm -hmm. People come out and I think that people – come out to pick up our beef at the ranch. We also ship beef, by the way. Thank you for my shameless advertising. But uh, we, lots of people want to come out and pick it up because they want to have a connection to the place where they buy their food. Yeah. And they want to know the rancher. And they secretly all want to be a rancher. Yeah. And so I think that's pretty ubiquitous in terms of an attractive thing. And, and it's Colorado's history, right? I mean, it's, it's where we came from. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. You went from architect to city slicker back to back to a rancher or in agriculture so a full cycle there thanks for your time today brad we've enjoyed having you on our program listeners thank you so much uh, please stay tuned for more industry insights news and information about the women and men building our skylines building our communities and building our future Tradeswork is a production of the rocky mountain mechanical contractors association for more information about our organization please visit rmmca.org